0: Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ministry-Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at God's matchless grace that meets us in our oftentimes messy ministries. I'm your host, Brad Gray, of course, and this is episode number four. And today I'm excited to have on the show Jordan Moody as the guest, Jordan is the pastor of New Hope Fellowship Church in New Ipswich, New Hampshire, and in this episode we delve into the art and focus of preaching, along with what makes a good church leader. We also catch up on what God's been doing in each other's lives since graduating from Bible college. I believe you'll be enlightened and encouraged by this lively conversation as Jordan and I share a common affection for the preaching of the Word of God. And as you know, this episode is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible. The CSB is the optimal blend of accuracy and readability, providing pastors with a translation that they can trust, and lay people with a Bible that they can read for themselves. Find out more at csbible.com. Now, for Jordan Moody. It's been a long time since we've talked and we went to school together. We had a couple of classes together and way back when. (laughs) So uh, just tell me sort of like what you've been up to since college. And I know a lot of things have happened since then. So just kind of, you know, catch uh, catch me up and catch everyone else up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so right now I'm in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. I am uh, a pastor up here. I just recently became a pastor as of like year a year and a half ago so it's still pretty new for me um let's see since college i've graduated college i have gotten married i worked as a uh, christian school teacher for about four years coached soccer and basketball i taught bible and i uh, taught cultural geography and other random classes because in college i was a humanities major
0: mm-hmm do you remember that what were you you were a bible or what what was your major? I switched like three times, <laughs> okay, yeah, I started out humanities and I switched to health fitness, and then I eventually switched to youth ministries. Oh nice, cool yeah, <laughs> yeah I am a i was
1: I was bible major, and I switched to humanities, which means basically you major in nothing <laughs> uh, and you do everything, <laughs> so, my friends used to make fun of me that I was like you know a jack of all trades master of none.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you have a degree in that,
1: <laughs> right? To just do everything slightly well, but nothing really well. So um it actually turned out really good for me because the Lord was able to use that. I was had a bunch of different skills and in, in a lot of variety of things. And so as a Christian school teacher at a at a Christian school up here in New Hampshire, that I was able to use all of those. I taught history and geography and Bible, and and helped with sports and all that kind of stuff. And and got to preach regularly. Mm-hmm. So that was uh Really good opportunity for me. I uh, really but I never felt like I was going to be a teacher for the rest of my life I I knew I loved to teach but um, I wanted to be more in church ministry I wanted to be involved in the church more and I felt like more of a calling to preach and um, So for there's a church here that I'm at right now that uh, lost their pastor and they were in a pastor search and I was a young guy in this area and I knew um, some of the people at the church, but I didn't really know all that was going on there. And so I, they just asked me to come and speak a couple of times to fill the pulpit. Um, and so I, I did that just kind of following God's lead there. You know, I, I was like, Hey, if there's an opportunity to preach and help out a local church, I'd love to do that. So I did that and uh, I preached there a couple times and then they basically asked me to just submit my resume with the other applicants. I mean, there was quite a few. And so I didn't really expect anything from it. Um, I'm also really young and I didn't really you know expect that anything would come of it (laughs) and next thing led to another next thing led to another and I just kind of followed God's lead and um he opened the door and they accepted me here at the church and so I've been here for about a year now and it's going really well Hmm. it's awesome the church's name is Hope Fellowship Church so that's actually where I am right now I'm at a at in my office and um in a couple of minutes, the, some of the guys are going to be coming over to our building. We're building a new church right now, so we're kind of at the site. So you might hear like tractors in the background, like digging stuff up and everything. But they have the shell up. They're going to be pouring the slab here soon, and, and going to be. It's really exciting time to be here at the church because we're doing a ton of work on it. So yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: yeah. Let's talk about that though. Hope Fellowship Church. I've kind of followed yep. along watched kind of the stuff progress and it's just been really cool. So just talk about that. Like, um, I know you just said that you, uh, just kind of like fell into your lap and that's really kind of tell that the Lord is leading you to this direction when you don't really make and force things happen or whatever. But, uh, yeah, talk about, uh, your involvement there. And then also this exciting building project I've, I've seen, it It looks awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, it's really amazing. Like, again, I, you just follow God's lead for your life and when you're looking for God's will as I was especially being a humanities major I was always looking for God's will Uh, I knew I had different skills and talents but I didn't know how God was going to use that and I was just looking for his will trying to find his will and when you are doing that you just have to do something and I really like that book by Kevin D. Young. he wrote this book on finding God's will uh just called just do something and the idea is when the door opens, just op- go through the door and and see where it leads. If it's not God's will, he's going to close the door. But oftentimes I know I was just sitting around kind of waiting for God to, you know, write something in the sky to tell me where to go, you know, and what to do with my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's not practical. God doesn't work that way. And so these opportunities just came about and I was willing to trust him and have faith enough to do it. I didn't always feel confident in it or feel like it was going to turn out all great and everything but it really does in the end and so that's kind of where I how I got here just kind of following his lead not really knowing what the end result would be but just trusting him enough to take that next step and eventually you're down the path and I'm here today which is really crazy but but yeah Hope Fellowship Church is a small church up here in New Hampshire I mean small church is kind of relative up here in New England it's a lot more difficult than the rest of the country i mean i tell people all the time but where i pastor i mean is it's the least unchurched area of the country mm-hmm. so or, or or i guess actually a poll was just recently done it's the least churched least religious area of the country mm-hmm. um so like you know relative to florida or out west i mean it's just there's no comparison it used to be like oregon that area out there Seattle, that was really kind of a a, a low religious area. Now it's kind of reversed and New Hampshire is the least religious state and New England is the least religious area in, in the country. And so churches around here, you just don't have a lot, you know, I mean, we, we spent time down in South Carolina and, and there's just churches like on every corner and all types of flavors and everything. And so, Around here, you really have to start learning how to work together with other churches. And so anyways, our church is is around like probably about 200, 250, which is actually a pretty good sized church for around here. Most churches are uh, less than 150, maybe less than 100 would probably be pretty common.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um and there's a few bigger churches in like manchester new hampshire manchester christian we have some friends over there you know they have one of the few churches around that would have several campuses mm-hmm. um but there's probably one maybe two of those in all of new hampshire i mean there's just not many wow um and so you what's cool about our church though is our we're smaller but our light can shine all the brighter because the there's just way more darkness up here does that make any sense that
0: yeah definitely yeah you know?
1: so It's neat to be part of it. And, um, we have a younger congregation in our church too, which is actually kind of an anomaly for around here. Um, and so we've got a lot of young families and, um, it's really exciting for me to be in that position because I'm younger. I'm able to kind of minister to those people. Uh, but yet I'm an elder on an elder team. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm technically a teaching elder. Now they would also call me pastor, but we, organize our church through the plurality of elders so we're kind of all equal Mm -hmm. um and the other guys on my elder team are all older than me (laughs) and uh all a lot wiser than me been through a ton um and so it's neat to kind of work through that and work with them being only 27 and yet many of them owning their own businesses and having multiple children and gone through all these things in life uh we can kind of work together in our different stages of life so
0: sure definitely um,
1: it's really neat. It's a neat dynamic there.
0: Yeah. Now, speaking of ministering in New England, just sort of, um, if you can, uh, just talk about how different it is. You know, you know, me, I'm from the Bible Belt, as they call yeah. it. Yeah. And you were, you were there for a while, I'm sure, especially through college. And just sort of talk to the differences between ministering in the quote-unquote Bible Belt and then ministering to, as it is, rural New Hampshire. Right. Um, that's a good
1: question. I grew up in New Hampshire, so it's sometimes hard for me to delineate the differences. But I did spend a large amount of time down in South Carolina, and the South. And I guess the differences. I don't know. It's it's kind of similar. Our whole country is kind of going this way in general. But really, we we just many people around here. It's not even a thought church doesn't even come up, you know, in their, in their minds, you know, it's not even, which is true of most of the country, I guess you could say, but, you know, it's just not a uh, cultural thing by any stretch of the imagination where down South, I remember you would have church traffic on Sunday, you know, (laughs) 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 shoot. Oh, I can't go out right now. It's like 1230. It's church traffic or something, (laughs) you know, let's not go out to eat right now because everything's going to be crazy busy. Mm -hmm. Like that just doesn't happen up here in the North. Um, You don't get church traffic. You don't have any of that kind of mindset of the cultural need to go to a church.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And yet at the same time, then you can get some kind of a little bit more authentic type church atmospheres because the people who are going to church want to go there and are purposely going there. It's not popular to go there. You know, I, I don't know, maybe you can get a little bit more of an authentic atmosphere than rather this is kind of a culturally acceptable thing that we do. And it's kind of, you know, fun or whatever it may be for these churches around here. Um, a lot of people are driving, you know, a half an hour. Some, I know people travel 45 minutes to an hour drive every Sunday just to get to church. Yeah. Um, or or a church that would align with their theological preferences and, and all that. So you get people traveling from all over the place to come to these different churches. And so, um, that would probably be a main difference, I guess you could say, um, but you also have i don't know yeah you just have a lot of different influences um and just people are 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 just not theologically biblically they up here in the north i guess you could say one difference is people in the north are really um independent so Mm -hmm. the need for church expresses weakness um yeah i don't need that up here in the north everybody can do it by themselves people are not super friendly like you have in the south they're not really inclined to talk to you up here you go into a gas station everyone avoids eye contact you do not talk to people in public areas i mean it's just like i don't know that's just culturally normal and people are like you come up north in new hampshire or boston massachusetts and be like people are so mean around here you know like <laughs> they're not really mean they just like they don't know you so why would i talk to you like and mm-hmm. so when I, I was like blown away. Cause when I went down South, it'd be like, dude, why are you talking to me? Like, you know, people would just say something to you and say, <laughs> how's the weather? You know, when you go to a gas station, it's so foreign to me up here, you're pumping your gas. You do not talk to people. Mm-hmm. And so as a pastor, you're trying to always make relationships with people. And that, that barrier is a lot more difficult up here in the North than you have in other areas. At least that's what I'm told.
0: Yeah, I would, I would sort of speak similar to that because I feel like Florida is an extension of the North just because there's yes. So many transplants Yes. Uh, and moving down here. I moved down here uh, three years ago now, and it's such a different atmosphere, even from like the Southeast, just because there are so many transplants. It's not as much yeah. of a community as South Carolina, North Carolina, those sort of states are. And so I sort of know what you're talking about. Well, there's a lot of independence. There's a lot of people that don't want to rely yeah. on a community yeah. of other people so I can speak to that. And I, also, I would also say another difference just in, you know, seeing um, churches up north and then churches down south is people sometimes tend to take advantage of the churches, the abundance of church bodies that are in, yeah. especially where, where I was and where you were for a while, Greenville, South Carolina. There's so many churches in, in mm-hmm. a very small location That, you know, if you have a difference with someone, you can just go and go down the street and you can go to another church body and try and, you know, find something that you like there, quote unquote. And I think, you know, being down here, too, is like we I drive about 30 minutes to a church, too. And that's because when you want to make that sacrifice, you will. You will make that sacrifice if when you find a place where you know that you belong. And so that's probably similar to what you are facing and what you are experiencing up in, up in the North.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So true. To taking advantage of that kind of thing, churches around every corner. Um, yeah. But it's also not, I don't want to just cry like I'm complaining or anything. It's definitely <laughs> a, it's definitely a challenge, but it's a, it's a fun challenge too, because, you know, like I said, you really can make a difference real quickly. People will notice if your church is on fire and growing and uh, getting plugged into the community and trying to reach out. I mean, it it does make a difference because it's just uh, you just see a lot of dying churches here, older churches, older congregations. And for a church to be like, you know, up and coming, growing and excited about God and Jesus Christ and living the gospel out and, you know, that really can make an impact on community that has little to no gospel influence
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: and this is the center of the great awakening um this is there. i'm reading you know church history books and all this stuff and everything happened around here Mm -hmm. you know i i was just talking about in a message the other day of david Brainerd, who was um a missionary to the Indians. He died at age 29 of tuberculosis, I think, but his diary was written and uh, he wrote his diary and then it was published by Jonathan Edwards. And it's this phenomenal, um, it influenced global missions probably more than any other book, uh, the diary of David Brainerd. If you look that up, it's, it's awesome. But he lived in and died in Northampton, Massachusetts. And I could drive like, you know, 45 minutes and go see his grave and and see kind of where Jonathan Edwards lived and preached. And uh, there's just guys like that all over the place. And so the gospel has been here before in a huge way and taken over this part of new England. Um, It's just, it's almost like we've had our time and we've gotten complacent with it
0: Hmm. and
1: now it's gone. And we're seeing the influence or the lack of the influence of the gospel in this area. Yeah. And, definitely. um,
0: yeah. Now, now, speaking sort of to that, how would you, like, what makes, do you think, and you know, you can sort of give a plug for your church. How, what makes Hope Fellowship mm. such a special place to live and serve? And I know you've sort of described ministering to the young, uh, the younger generation that you have at your church, but just, you know, sort of, I, I maybe, let me ask you this way. What is sort of like the driving, passion of your ministry a lot of people would say they have like a you know a particular thing that they're bent towards or leaning into what what would you say that is for you
1: uh, that's a good question and that is still definitely kind of developing as we're kind of a, a congregation that's growing and changing and evolving like right now we're going through a lot of evolution in the good sense of the word mm-hmm. um, and it's really good it's exciting to see what God's doing here. Um, our church is definitely a lot about family. We have lots of families and big families um, I would say we really seek to minister to the family in, in as many ways as we can. Um, it's hard right now with our limited space. And again, like I said, we're in a building project to expand, but um, our families, it's interesting. Our church is unique in that we have a unique cultural makeup. Many of the people in our church are from a Finnish background. There many of Finnish families that have settled in this area
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, many of them grew up in, in, in church life, but uh, now they're in this church and many of them come from large families, like, you know, seven to 10 kids. And so lots of large families, lots of children running around. So if you come to our service, oftentimes it will be a little bit more noisy than your normal congregation or your normal service that you have. You have babies in the back and, and kids kind of running around and everything. So sometimes it throws people off that it's not like everyone nice folded their hands You know, And everyone being quiet during a service, it can be a little bit more, I guess, lively. So that maybe kind of makes up who we are a little bit. Um, But really, we focus on the gospel. We focus on simple applications of that in the community. And uh, we have a pretty simple group of people that many of them are are involved in construction and own their own construction businesses, a lot of blue-collar workers, Um, but yet a lot of people who work very hard for what they have. And so we have a lot of people who are involved and plugged in and we have a lot of large families um, and uh, we just have a lot of life going on right now. So it's really exciting. Uh, But Hope Fellowship Church, we are um, here to know Jesus Christ and to make him known. And it's pretty simple, but that's kind of our mindset. And we've been talking about kind of who we are and what makes we are what what makes what we're made up of kind of and what we want to be lately they're having a lot of those conversations since i'm kind of new trying to figure out who they were in the past and then where we're trying to go so we are trying to develop that right now our vision for the future
0: sure and as an
1: elder team we're really trying to figure out what makes us different and what makes us unique and uh you know the universal church we're all together you and me have a bond because Mm -hmm. we're saved we we trust um, in Jesus Christ as our Savior. and We're part of the universal church. Um, but at the same time, each of our local congregations does something a little bit unique and has our little niche, if you could say. Yeah. And um, so that, that's kind of neat. So that's really something we are trying to develop right now. But um, I just see God doing so many cool things up here in New Hampshire. So
0: That is great. Uh, let me ask you this question that we're flexing. You said you were only been sort of in what they call vocational ministry for a little yeah. year now. How would you, you know, looking back on that year or so, how would you say that you have really grown and developed? And I'm sure you've experienced a lot and a lot of people can experience a lot in a year. So what, yeah. what areas would you say that you've developed the most? Um, probably humility, um, humility. <laughs> Yeah. I, I just,
1: I don't know. I've always been somewhat confident that I can do a certain amount of things, but it's amazing when you're put in a position like this, it's, it's just, you've never, I've never felt like the spiritual weight and burden and responsibility of so many people's souls and uh, such an important job before, I guess you could say, you know what I mean? I, yeah. Um, not to say that like I'm important, but just like what, we do in church ministry is so important and trying to get people to realize that and that spiritual weight that's on you just humbles me day after day after day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I often feel in, incapable and insufficient and unable. And I know many people feel that in their jobs, but this is more of like a, a spiritual lack. Like I just don't feel spiritually able. And yet then you have to constantly run back to the word. And God uses, you know, he, he makes weak men strong, you know, and that's the grace of Jesus Christ. He empowers us and he's enabled me to do the job before me, even though sometimes I don't feel like I can. Yeah. Uh, it's not what I feel or how I feel if I can do it or not. It, it's what I know. And he, he promises uh, to never leave me or forsake me. And so. I think humility is probably the big thing I've grown in. Um, but then definitely faith, because, again, if I had, if this was a year and a half or two years ago, you'd asked me if I would have been on this podcast talking to the majesty men about being a pastor in New Hampshire, I would have maybe laughed at you, not necessarily laughed at you, but just not believed you. There's just, it's amazing what God can do in such a short amount of time. He can literally change your life. People talk about that all the time, but it just takes faith. It just takes trusting him in believing that his promises are true.
0: That's right. And he change the trajectory of your life in a blink. Yeah,
1: in a blink. I and mean, it's so fast. And um, I mean, just, yeah. I mean, I'm married now. I'm a pastor now. I just had my first child. She's three months old. Hmm. Her name is Charlotte. And it's amazing. But like all of those things, it, it just so fast, like within a year or two, and your life
0: is turned upside down. And now a quick break for a word from my partners in ministry, Dead Men. Hey everyone, have you checked out Dead Men at www.deadmenstuff.com yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Dead Men exists to equip disciples and grow leaders. We do this through Christ-centered articles, devotions, videos, a podcast, and free resources like this. Dead Men presents the gospel in a straightforward and intentional way. Check us out today at www.deadmanstuff.com. And now back to Jordan. Yeah, I want to jump back really quick because you mentioned something that I've sort of felt too is that, you know, there's sort of like a danger to the calling to preach. And I think you sort Mm -hmm. of touched on this, but I I wrote a piece on this a couple months ago and just talking about the sort of, The way you can feel inadequate being behind the pulpit Mm -hmm. and sort of sometimes that's what you're supposed to feel just because there's such a weight on you and I I mentioned it in that piece just sometimes like I I feel like Mm -hmm. preaching is while it's not the most physically dangerous job it's one of the most dangerous jobs because as you said, you have people's souls in your hands. And mm-hmm. when you're speaking to them, you know, you you want to make sure everything is perfect while not trying to be perfect. And so I just think I just am in total agreement with you. And you probably speak better to this yeah. than I can, just that there's such a danger and there's such a weight uh, to the preaching ministry as a whole.
1: So, yeah, I as definitely know exactly what you're saying with the... Um basically every time I go to preach it's this battle or I guess you could say a balance between um, confidence that I have in God's word and my like you said feeling humbled by what you're doing you know mm-hmm. and so I'm constantly battling that where you're like you you want to be confident in the pulpit you want to be confident about what you're saying and God's word never returns void so any you know, idiot, right. Can, can speak God's word. And, and really God used a donkey to preach and speak God's word to Balaam, you know, in the old Testament. So he certainly can use me. Um, So you have to be confident, right. But at the same time you don't want to be arrogant or proud because you know that this is nothing. Everything I do on a Sunday morning, when I speak, it's not because of me and it's definitely not because of anything that I can do. It's all because of God. So you're constantly balancing the confidence that you have and, and, and also the humility you have that you, you aren't confident in what you're doing. You know, it's all God that you need and and spirit led and spirit directed. And so, for example, even just like last Sunday, um, I felt really confident on the sermon. I was, had a really busy week. The outline came along and I just felt there's just certain messages. I feel like I could wing it and do just fine. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. And so one of those messages was coming up. I really felt the illustrations were good. They were um, just, it felt like a good sermon to me. And I felt like I didn't need to do much preparation because I, I, like I said, when you speak a lot, you feel like you can just wing it sometimes. And that's not good. (laughs) And I didn't spend as much time in prayer as I usually do. Um, I didn't. Really invest in it. And when I preached I felt at the end of it. I felt like I didn't do a great job you know, I felt like I really kind of botched it and um, I could have done so much better if I had just in other words relied on the spirit more than my own ability to just speak Mm -hmm. And so that's a balance. I'm often finding that okay need to be confident in what I'm doing and writing and speaking but I need to be also confident in the spirits power to empower me to to preach Mm-hmm. Um, and give me the words. And when, when you preach, you know it's like when you are in the spirit, and when you, it's almost like you're not saying the words, and people mm-hmm. may not agree with that, or I don't know. But it, it does when 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 you're really just relying in, I guess you could say tapping in to the Spirit's power. It's literally uh, he illuminates our eyes to understand the word in in such a way where when I speak and preach and tapping into that power it's like i'm not saying the words anyways it's just him speaking through me i'm just a mouthpiece
0: yep yep you know? I, I can i can speak to that cuz one time i remember i i was a i was preaching i was a youth pastor for a year at a church and you know <laughs> there's sometimes where i would i would feel the same way i would, I would yeah. speaking and i would be really confident in what i what i in you know, this outline i had prepared and all this kind of stuff oh, yeah. and when you speak it it doesn't go the way you want it to. <laughs> and you feel just absolutely just devastated because mm-hmm. you know that you should have done this different or, you know, prayed more, as you said, or, and all this stuff. And then there's sometimes where I just feel like, man, this is going to be an awful sermon. Mm-hmm. And then it comes out and the Holy <laughs> Spirit just empowers you to just speak these on point words. And I just remember one time I. I had like this long outline and I only got to like two things, but I, I spoke for like 50 minutes just, and I don't even remember what I said, honestly, just because the Holy Spirit was, you know, could sort of get Pentecostal here. He was yeah, really right. through me and there's just a real, like almost tangible experience sometimes of the Holy yeah. Spirit saying, this is what you need to say to these people. And I think that that's, that's a real thing. <laughs> Oh, no,
1: that is awesome that you said that. Now, I just want to clarify, I'm not also supporting that you don't do any study or work and just go up on a Sunday morning and say, I am spirit-led this morning, and I'm just going to spout whatever comes into my mind, because I know some people do that, and I feel like the Spirit can talk to me and tell me what to speak as I write my sermon throughout the week the same way He can on a Sunday morning. It's just, I don't often, when you're in those ways, sometimes some weeks are different than others, and you don't always aren't tuned into the spirit, I'm too worried about administrating the church and other things going on and and doing this and doing that, Than I am being totally spirit led. Mm -hmm. Or if you wouldn't sober minded, you know, I'm, I'm more minded on the lowly things of life. And I'm not really in tune with what God wants me to say. Sure. More about what I want to (laughs) say. And, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely a balance, but that is a good question that you mentioned that, You know, that is something all preachers and speakers face. Even people who are going to, you know, give a devotional or a challenge, maybe don't speak very often. But any of that type of public speaking, you know, it's such a balance because, you know, we we don't need to be afraid of it. God is going to give us the strength to do it. Mm -hmm. Even if we feel like, well, I'm not the best speaker and I don't like public speaking and all that. Well, that's okay. You might have an opportunity to do it sometime. And don't shy away from that. Everyone has their own way of doing it, own personal testimony. And God wants us to share our faith with people. So. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, let me uh, bring it it sort of down from a really super spiritual level. (laughs) Super spiritual, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, you know, I I would classify myself as a fellow speaker. And sometimes when I'm preparing a sermon or whatever, it's just sort of what's sort of like your your method, your sort of how you prepare a sermon. Because I know there's so many different ways and, you know. From where I was a couple of years ago to where I am now, it's like totally different. So just right. like, how do you, how do you get ready for something like that? <laughs> I wing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I joke. No, 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 I don't. Somebody asked me that at the
1: church the other day because some of my uh, guy came up to me. He's like, so, like, what do you do? How do you like? What do you do during the week? I mean, that's what like most pastors like get that question a lot. It's like, yeah. what do you do? Like you only work <laughs> on Sunday morning, right? So pff, it's gotta be the easiest job in the world. Um, okay. No, but, uh, during the week, like, you know, it's amazing. Some people ask me and I, as a new pastor too, I, I spend more time too, cause I'm just not as experienced and having all this wealth of knowledge of, you know, 25 years of preaching. So I really spend a lot of time on it, but you know, you can say your week, Work weeks like forty week, forty hours. You know, sometimes I'm spending like, you know, twenty five to thirty hours on a sermon. Sometimes like it's a lot. Uh, it's because I'm reading a lot, writing a lot, and so I do write and rewrite a lot. I guess you could say that. Um, some people I know just write an outline, like real basic skeleton outline, and they just kind of expound and preach off that. I used to try to do that, but I found it too difficult, especially when you're speaking weekly, uh, to just, you know, have a basic outline like that. So in other words, my sermon would look like a manuscript uh, where you could pretty much read what I'm going to say during the message,
0: Hmm.
1: word for word, except I use it in like an outline format. So, you know, kind of like, like bullet points and outlines under there so it's not just like a paper it doesn't look like a paper it would look like an outline format and there would be paragraphs that i would say under each point mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of how i would do it uh, through the outline would look it. it's colorful which is funny i found this hint so if any of you are preaching sometimes i use colors uh, in my i preach from an ipad so the The outline would be if there's a verse that I'm going to read on my iPad, it's colored in green. If there's an illustration that I'm going to read or or expound on, and oftentimes I'm not staring at the iPad because I've just written it through the week. I know it so well. I can just almost say it verbatim anyways. So sometimes I'm just glancing down at the outline, and then I know what I'm going to say. But if I get stumbled or I don't know where I'm at, I can look down at the outline and kind of know exactly where I'm going. (laughs) But uh, outlines, uh, sorry, the outline, so verses are in green, illustrations are in red, quotes from other people are in blue. Um, if I have like a unique slide change for a PowerPoint or something, I have that in orange. And usually my main points are just bolded. Um, so that's helped me to kind of delineate what's in the outline.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then often throughout the week, I'm again just, I use Logos. Probably most people know about that. Maybe not. It's an online Bible software program where you can have like a gazillion books on your computer. Um, <laughs> you kind of have to pay lots of money. But, you know, if you get the program, it's worth it because it's just full of resources. And so mm-hmm. so for one sermon, yeah, yeah. I'm reading, you know, half a dozen to a dozen commentaries on the passage. I'm reading um, different Bible versions on that passage. You know, I'm looking up other online articles i sometimes listen to podcasts and other pastors about that topic it's just tempting because i'm always like man i can't preach like them and i wish i could just copy their sermon you know so you're constantly trying to say okay don't just copy what they have to say right you know it's like okay what is the spirit teaching me and how can i teach that to my congregation and so right now we're going through nehemiah there's a really awesome book. If you ever want to do a, a study or preach through that or just read through it, you're looking for leadership skills. You look at Nehemiah and he is just the bomb. Okay. That guy's the man. I mean, he just um, is a phenomenal leader and rebuilding the wall and restoring the nation of, uh, of the nation of Israel. And it, it's really, really cool. So I kind of go by that. I don't do a lot yet of like topical messages just like okay let's have this big long topical series on like love or you know grace I like to speak through a bible a book of the bible and those topics come up through as I walk through passages I have done that some but I I definitely would like we, we just walked through the whole book of Philippians and now we're walking through the whole book of Nehemiah and so I like that a little bit more but I, I I do want to do a little bit more in the future of just doing like, yeah, a six week series on, you know, God's love or whatever, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of aspect. So.
0: Yeah, sure. Now, what kind of, what kind of books would you say have impacted you the most? I'm sure, you know, what makes a good pastor is usually a guy who reads a lot and not just theology, Theology. but just a lot of different areas. So what kind of books have really made a lasting influence on you? Would you say? Yeah. One uh, recently is just a book by
1: J. Oswald Sanders, uh, He's the man, if you haven't read him before, J. Oswald Sanders. I wrote a book called Spiritual Leadership, and that's made a big am- impact on me. It's, a, it's a, definitely an, a well-known book on spiritual leadership, but his writing has just convicted me a lot of, you know, ultimately he says in that book that leadership is influence, and maybe some have a greater influence over a larger group of people. You know, maybe if you even with the book you've written, Brad, you know, you have influence now on in people who read that book. And then when you preach and speak, you have influence over those people. And some people say, Well, I'm not a preacher, or a speaker, or a writer, but you have influence over someone and something. And whether it's your family, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you have a huge amount of influence over your kids at home. Um, maybe you're a guy who just goes to work on the job site building houses or whatever you have influence on the people you run into every day and you have influence on your friends and family. And so leadership ultimately boils down to influence. And that's just really stuck with me. Uh, And we all need to influence others for Christ in some way, in some, some manner. And so um, that book has, has meant a lot to me. I would say J. Oswald Sanders, spiritual leadership is is a big book. Um, Really enjoyed lately, a year or two ago, a uh, book called Dug Down Deep by Joshua Harris. I don't know if you read that. It's really good. Um, teaching like systematic theology in a very basic way, helping us to dig down to what we truly believe, our faith. And then another book I read pretty recently was Explicit Gospel by Matt Chandler.
0: I just got that. I haven't read it yet. but you, it, you. Nice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> read that now. Um, <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> is a fun book. He's really good. I enjoy him. My preaching style is probably most like Matt Chandler. I don't copy him, but I just think him and I are kind of similar. He's kind of tall and skinny. Has really <laughs> Bad jokes. And that's me as well. So <laughs> um, I'm like, yeah, so he, he's awesome. I really enjoy his, his preaching, but his writing is really good too. explicit gospel really uh, just gets down to the, the nitty gritty, the meat of what the gospel is but mm-hmm. he explains in a way that, you know, I can understand it, you know, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, it, it's really nice. I like that. I, I kind of wish more people would read that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see, And just trying to think other books, the bunch. I'm just reading a lot. Like right now too, I'm not done with reading in school either. Cause I'm in a uh, seminary right now as well, finishing up my master's degree in theology at Liberty university online. Oh, gotcha. So I only have three more courses. So I'm kind of, almost done here but um congrats for that Yay. yeah oh it's it's like the home stretch you can see it. <laughs> you're like running and you're like falling on your face as you're crawling across the <laughs> finish line. but that's how i feel right now but uh you right now i'm in a church history course which is really cool and so i challenge people if you can find more books and i could give you guys more books to read but if you can find more books about church history i think people hope, you'd be amazed at the problems we see today have all been done before. you know. <laughs> and so everything you face in your church and your life right now has been done before in just a different time period in a different country with a guy with a crazy different name than you, you know, but <laughs> it's all been done. And so that's been encouraging to me to see how God's preserved the gospel and his scriptures all the way till now to where we can, be on a, a a hangout online and do a podcast or whatever, you know. Like yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> where back then they were writing on manuscripts and, you know, they were writing, you know, on scrolls. And it's just incredible to see where we've come. And yet it's all been done before. Yeah. Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun, right? Exactly.
0: So, well, let me ask you this question because you just were talking about seminary, and I, you know, I graduated in 2012 uh, with my undergrad, and I. I haven't gone to seminary, uh, yet. It's, you know, sort of something I wanted to accomplish in the future, but I just remember being, um, sort of, I would say pressured, you know, uh, you know, you have to get your master's out of undergrad and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Uh, I just know for me that it probably would not have been a good thing. Yeah. Maybe, um, if you can, um, you know, sort of talk about the pros and also the cons of of seminary and sort of what you've learned in your time there. Cause I know that there's a lot of things that seminarians get a bad rap for, but there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that it is good for too. And especially as a budding young pastor, I'm sure that, you know, more time with, with older guys teaching you is always a good yeah. thing. So yeah. if that makes well, cons. sense. Yeah. Cons would be money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's expensive okay uh but not all of them are really expensive actually liberty was one of the reasons they they have the massive program they're huge i think one of the largest online you know programs in the world but um seminary wise grad studies theology what all that they they do a good job of that as well uh, but they are a little bit more affordable than some other ones i looked at like nearby me in like connecticut massachusetts like gordon conwell uh seminary and stuff but they're just kind of they're a little bit more expensive and stuff like that so just flat out i have to sometimes just make practical decisions like okay money wise this is this really smart for me where i'm at and especially if you want to be a pastor maybe you're going to be working in a smaller church or, or a lower position where you're not getting paid a lot now you're going to invest all this money to get or go into debt to where you're not going to make a lot of money <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like uh, some of my friends went to grad school but they're studying to be doctors and like lawyers and stuff, it's like, you're going to make three figures, you'll be fine, you know, pay <laughs> off your debt. And for us, like going into, into seminary, some of us, some of my friends, I mean, people I know like shoot themselves in the foot right at the bat, you know, they're just in so much debt. So just real practically, that can just be a smart decision. You don't, you do not have to go to seminary to be a pastor or to preach. I am kind of a big proponent of that because I'm not even done with it and I'm doing it right now. And yet at the same time, I see the value of it. And I would encourage anybody who is interested in doing that to go to seminary while you're in church ministry, not necessarily before. Cause I think where the seminaries get a bad rap is guys who think they're wicked smart. And yes, I just used wicked cause I'm from Boston area. Okay. <laughs> so, sorry. sorry about that. Wicked. The socks, yo, Pak the Khan, Havid Yad, you know, <laughs> That's where a lot of my people speak like that. So we say wicked in a good way up here. It's like wicked awesome. Okay. So now that we're past that, um, yeah, like it's really good idea to to go to seminary while you're in church ministry because seminary people get a bad rap because it's a bunch of guys who sit around just reading books all day and have no experience in how the church actually runs in fact, I listen to a podcast online. This is just another one I just started listening to. It's called Unseminary, and uh, it basically teaches you the things that seminary never taught you. So <laughs> uh, it's just kind of like practical church ministry stuff and things I'm still learning, like and need to learn. And oftentimes, you can't learn it until you're in it. It's not like mm-hmm. you can have a class on real practical stuff in ministry because you can't do it. It's not that's not that's impractical, you know? Yeah. So I would say that's a big thing. It's a good idea, and it's positive. I've really enjoyed it, and it's helped me a lot. I've been able to use what I'm studying, what I'm learning, and pour it right back into my church congregation and to things I've done. took a class in discipleship and what discipleship means from the Bible, and I have bunches of resources now and things I've learned to try to to, uh, help our church work through small groups and developing a culture of discipleship now. And I would never have had that if I hadn't gone to seminary, you know? So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I guess that's just practically, it's a good idea. Um, but you got to think about the money thing too there. So
0: <laughs> now that's a really good point because a lot of people will just want to go to a seminary just for the name on the degree yeah. they eventually yeah. get. And that can be somewhat shooting yourself in the foot. Um, Excuse me. Um, let me just ask you sort of, as we sort of wrap this up here, I like to ask this question to the people that we get on here is, you know, so just yeah. as a fellow young man, uh, sort of, what would you say is like the one piece of advice if you could give someone that uh, that would say, this is, w- this is what I want you to know. <laughs> like what's the one thing uh, that you would tell someone?
1: Um, I guess – some of it we mentioned towards the beginning of the podcast, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I was just talking with another guy who's going through, he's my age as well, he's going through the same kind of struggle of finding God's will for his life. And I don't know, I've just been running into a lot of young men with that kind of mindset um, of just really struggling to find out what God wants them to do with their life. And we act as if like God's will is like this really difficult mysterious confusing thing you know and we'll never find it and god's just waiting up there in the sky too you know he's like uh you know hiding these things from us and he enjoys us struggling over what we're supposed to do with our lives and you know who am i going to marry a lot of guys our age are not getting married younger they're waiting and waiting and waiting uh some might be you know, still at home, not sure what they're going to do with their life and really struggling over that. And I don't know, to be honest, that was kind of me somewhat too. So I just was struggling with what that was the next step. And I guess just, I really have found lately that, you know, my identity, the biggest thing I guess with that, with finding God's will is your identity is not found in what you do. Okay. Or, how big of a church you have, which is a big pastor question. So, how many people come to your church? You know, you're like, okay, there's more important things than how many people sit in the pews, right? And so, for you, how much money do you make? You know, or uh, who's, you know, what's, what are you doing in your life? It's too many of our questions in life are about what we do, and it's not necessarily about what we do, but it's really about who God says we are, and our identity is found in Him, not in my job or my marriage, or my lack of marriage, or my breakups, or my past, or my struggles, or my sin. Uh, My identity is found in Christ. And so I think for a lot of young men, we have this identity crisis. We are looking for God's will, but we really just want to find God's will because we want to have an identity that's set like, hey, I'm Jordan Moody. I'm a pastor at Hope Fellowship Church. That's my identity. Well, not in reality. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ first. So whether I'm a pastor or whether I'm a construction worker or whether I work in a cubicle all day, my identity is not found in that. It's found in Jesus Christ. And so if we forego our identity with Jesus Christ, all we have left is what we do. And so then when you lose your job or, God forbid, you have a divorce in your marriage or you have cancer, all of a sudden those identities are stripped from you and you have nothing left. And so for us we can be confident young men that no matter what we do our identity is found in Jesus Christ and what he has done for me and not necessarily what I do for him. And yet because of what he's done for me I seek to do things for him. I seek to do good works not to get me to heaven or save me but because of what he has done me, done for me and because he has saved me and because I'm going to heaven I do those things for him. And so I guess our identity has just been on my mind a lot lately and for guys our age that can be a big thing because when you're 50 years old you've been doing your job for you know 20 30 years whatever you know that's my identity it can feel a little bit more settled but when we're young kind of in this transition period of life Uh, we could pick up and go anywhere you know it can be hard and so find your identity in jesus christ and then he will give you a physical identity to live out on this earth i guess you could say
0: Mm, that's so good That's so good. And I don't want to say something stupid and uh, ruin the mood here. (laughs) So let's just uh, end on that. That was so good. Thanks, Jordan, for coming on. I appreciate your ministry and I I will definitely keep following along with you and Hope Fellowship. And I wish you all the best up there in New Hampshire. Well, thank you, Brad. Thank you so
1: much for letting me do this. And maybe we can do more in the future. Thank you.
0: Yeah, definitely. And thanks again to Jordan for coming on the show today and chatting with me a little bit. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and catch all the latest news regarding Hope Fellowship, both of which you can find linked in the show notes. And that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. Thanks so much for staying with me and and for listening if you like what you just heard and would like to hear more episodes like this be sure and follow the show on twitter and subscribe in itunes you can also comment and follow along on soundcloud too if you like and if you really like what you just heard do me a favor and leave a short review that'll go a long way for me to continue making shows like this happen thanks again to csb for sponsoring the show and thank you as always for listening commenting and subscribing i'll see you on the next episode blessings Oh,